0: Hi, I'm Coach John Cook, and thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Talkin' Hoops podcast. My guest today is Eric Flannery. Eric is the longtime head boys basketball coach at St. Edward High School in Lakewood, Ohio. 24 years with the program, Eric has won 468 games in that time, uh, a regular at the state tournament and the state finals, multiple state championships as well. And he took the program over when he was 24 years old. He's also been heavily involved in USA basketball, uh, over the last decade or so, and he's coached his son in high school, who's now journeyed on to uh, be a college player, finished that, and headed into college coaching himself The GA at Xavier. We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast with Eric Flannery of Lakewood St. Edward High School. <music> Welcome to today's episode of Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast. Obviously, I'm your host, John Cook, and i um, tickled today because uh, our, our guest today is is a guy that nearly a quarter of a century ago, uh, I watched Coach when I was a 24-year-old head coach, and he was too, and I was enamored by the fact that somebody could be 24 years old and, and be responsible for the type of team that he had at Lakewood St. Edward. Eric Flannery uh, is my guest today. Coach, how are you? I'm doing
1: great, John. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Battling and dealing with the with the uh, quarantine and the aftermath of the quarantine. I've listened to a couple of podcasts that you've been on um and it feels like would depend on where we are in the state, that depends on what your optimism level is about a basketball season. What are your thoughts on on where we are with that right now?
1: yeah, you know it's it's crazy. obviously it's a different time um, in a lot of different situations, just as you mentioned, even across the state. And and that's what's even makes it a little bit more bizarre is that everybody's in a little bit of a different scenario. Um, but, you know, I, I'm optimistic in, in the sense that, you know, we, we've been practicing. Uh, we've been doing as much as we possibly can together. But like everybody else, nobody has an answer. Nobody really knows where it's going. And I just, you know, the, the protocols that we've been following and the and the things that we've been doing in the summer has seemed to be successful. But I think you can do all of that and still end up in a in a tough situation where we're not playing. So uh, we're all sitting around waiting for the governor to, to, to kind of make his call on contact sports and, and things like that. And I think we just have to sit back and and just keep preparing like we've always done and, and just hope for the best
0: and, and I don't know if you're anything like me I have I have a son that's a high school senior and, and the optimism kind of wells up in me almost on a weekly basis when they get into their workouts and I know what they're doing and, and he's coming back and he's really amped up and and it I, I can kind of ebb and flow like there are days when I feel like man the chances of them having a season just don't appear to be very good but N- nothing nothing makes me feel better than knowing that they got in the gym and they're engaged in their protocols and things are going well and kids are remaining healthy. And, and they're really engaged. All the feedback I get from my son's coaches, like they're really working hard. They're doing everything I ask. Everybody seems eager. And it's easy to be optimistic when that's what's going on. And then you get into these scenarios where we don't appear to get any real clear guidance and and, and again, it's so different from each area of the state to the next that I go through days where I feel like the chances of having a season are just almost nil. And then there are days when they get in that gym and I just find myself with that great deal of optimism
1: you know, you and I are, are, are quite, quite alike in that scenario. I mean, I have a daughter still that's playing in high school and as you know, one that's still in college and, and um, you know, what we do with our own team. So when you live in a bubble, you know, sort of speak, and you're, you're working on those types of things, you think that things are going to be okay. And then you obviously turn on the news and you listen to all the stuff that's going around and, you know, nobody here, you know, including myself, you know, does not take this seriously it's definitely something that's you know pandemic that we're going through and it's a very serious situation but it's always for me it's always hard to imagine a safer place you know than just being together with with a group of people that you're familiar with Uh, you have trainers around you're going through like you you said the protocols of of temperature checks and wearing masks and sanitizing and and doing all that stuff so you feel like you're doing all the right things and and you you do get those good responses and it's great to see the you know, the kids happy and running around and, and it's almost like life is normal. And then, you, like you said, you come home, you you turn on the TV or you listen to, to other people talk and, and you just don't know what to think. And so so you just have to be as positive as you can and, and continue, like I said, to do what we're doing and, and just hope for the best. And hopefully it works out and, and we find uh, a way out of this, which at some point we will. We just
0: we just all hope it's sooner than later. Well, and that'll be our obligatory COVID-19 discussion. We'll cut that off right there. We'll be done with that. And uh, what I want to do is get into your story. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this podcast, but the, the form that it has taken on really is it's just become a great storytelling place. And we, we've we've talked to a bunch of coaches, 45 or 50 guys and, and, and ladies and and. What I've, what I've discovered, Coach, is if anybody spent any time at all in coaching, they just got a, a story that, one, is, is probably unique. Nobody's as identical to anybody else's. And, two, it's, it's, it's pretty damn fascinating um, what, what guys and ladies experience on their journeys through this. And I would say your story certainly qualifies. So let's talk a little bit about your background growing up, uh, high school as a student and a player, who you played for, and, and, and who were some of the earlier influences on, on your interest in coaching.
1: Yeah. And first, I just want to say, you know, one, I I have listened to a few of your podcasts and it's great. I I appreciate what you do. Uh, It's always like you said, it's enjoyable to listen to other people's stories. And, um, you know, we have our own podcast that we started and uh, worthy of the jersey for a few years now. And I, I feel the same way. I just like listening to to how other people got into coaching, how they you know, how they're doing what they're doing um for what reasons and you know just kind of their background so i appreciate what you're doing it's very enjoyable i think you do a fantastic job with this and i I hope you continue to do it uh just getting into my story a little bit i grew up in lakewood ohio Uh, i went to uh, i was basically a saint ed's family my father was was in the first one of the first graduating classes of the saint uh, of saint ed's i have three older brothers that attended saint ed's Uh, I'm the youngest of eight, so I had four older sisters as well. Um, So it was a natural fit for me to go to St. Ed's. Um, So I went there. I I played four years there. I actually played four sports in high school. I played a couple years of football, uh, a few years of baseball. I was on the golf team my senior year and and obviously four years of basketball. And uh, Mike Kearns was my head coach, um, a very religious guy, um, a very – mild-mannered person uh, but a great coach somebody understood the game and and knew what he was doing and, and we had a pretty good team we my junior year uh, at St. Ed's uh, we we won the district championship we actually upset um, some great Lorraine and and Admiral King we're, were both in our district that year and I think they were ranked one and three in the state and we upset both of them to get to the regionals and got knocked out by uh, Maslin Jackson. But what's interesting about that is that was the first uh, district championship in St. Ed's history uh, back in the late 80s. And I think a lot of people today feel or, or think that St. Ed's has always been this factory of, of basketball. And uh, But to be honest, uh, until the late 80s, it was our first district championship in school's history. And then uh, when I took over uh, late 96 and into the 96, 97 season, uh, was our first Final Four in school's history. So um, uh, just happy and proud to be a part of, of St. Ed's, and that's where I grew up playing and getting beat up by my older brothers and sisters and, uh, you know, just kind of fell in love with the game. Um, you know, I obviously enjoy all sports, but basketball, there was just something about it that I really enjoyed and and really loved. And uh, I went on to, to go to Penn State Barron, which is a, kind of a smaller school, D3 school in Erie, PA, I was supposed to play basketball there and believe it or not, I was about a month in, uh, they had changed coaches, uh, the year prior to me going there. And I was dating my high school sweetheart, which turned out to be my, my future wife in, in high school and, and missed her and was a little unsure about my playing circumstances at Penn state. Uh, so I transferred home. I came home and, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was going to be an accountant. Uh, when I first, I uh, got into college because that's what my father was, and and I just kind of felt like that, that's may- maybe the path that I would take. And uh, while I was home, kind of deciding on what I wanted to do next, uh, my high school coach had asked me to come help out with the basketball team. And if I wanted to, to coach, you know, while I was at, at home at the time being, and uh, literally within the first few moments of doing it, the first couple weeks, uh, it was one of those things, I guess a, a calling, as you would say, is um, I never thought that's what I wanted to do. and I just realized at that moment that this is something that I would love to do and love to do for a long time. and and that's kind of how I fell into uh, fell into the coaching world and kind of fell in love with with with
0: coaching basketball and and, you know we have said it routinely on this podcast with different guests i just happened to record a a podcast a a week a week ago or or a little less with with carl creamer at moeller and we talk about and other guests have talked about it no no one it seems is is expecting to be bitten by the bug oftentimes when they get bitten but, but when that coaching yeah. thing bites you, it, it, it's no joke, man, it, it's real. And, and I, I told Carl, it's
1: one of those things that uh, you can't explain. Um, and it's something that, you know, some people would think like, Oh, Hey, you, you played basketball. That was just kind of natural for you. It's something that you wanted to do. And the answer was no, until, until I was 18 and, and actually started to do it and, and, you know, Realized again that my dream of playing was probably, you know, close to being over, I wasn't going to be an NBA player, that um, uh, you you fell in love with that connection you had with the players and the competition that you felt as a coach, and uh, it was just something that to me is unexplainable, it's just something that happened, and um, obviously, you know, it's turned out well for me in in the long run, but but really started with that passion at a young age, and uh, turned into just kind of a moment or two of, of really falling in love with This is what I want to
0: do. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what kind of responsibilities you had as as an 18, 19, 20 year old? When you're a college student in a program like that, that that's maybe just getting to start into becoming a, a basketball power, what kind of things did you get involved in and how were those things impactful on you?
1: Well, it's interesting because, again, at 18, you know, you don't know anything. You know, you think you do and, um, you know, you take your playing experience and you never really uh, had the opportunity to sit down and coach. And uh, my first year was, was basically I was a freshman assistant. And in the meantime, I was still, you know, I I'd still when I came home, I was thinking about going to John Carroll and playing. But um, when I, when I kind of got that bug of, of coaching, I just decided, like, hey, I'm going to, Just go to Cleveland State and and try to figure out, you know, maybe get into education and become a teacher. So I was still working that stuff out. But I was also working in a mill downtown uh, in a factory, uh, making brake liners and and things like that. So I was I was holding a full time job. I was teaching or I'm sorry, coaching time and going to school. Um, So it was a lot of sacrifice. But in that time, you know, being a freshman assistant, I I think that first year you're just kind of getting a feel, a feel for uh, of of how to maybe be involved in a practice from from a coaching standpoint. Um, You know, getting a feel for the games and what your role is as as an assistant coach. And, uh, you know, you kind of get that bug and you just feel like it's something that, again, that you really love doing. And and, uh, the next year. Uh, What was unique about my story, too, and what's unique about my situation at St. Ed's, again, going back to we weren't very good as a program, Uh, my head coach after that first year actually uh, left and took another job. So a new coach came in and his his first year, he asked me to be assistant JV. So so my second year, I moved up to the JV level, but I was still an assistant coach and still trying to figure things out and learning from a new coach. Uh, the next year that he was there uh, he asked me to be a head coach as, at the freshman level so at uh, 20 years old i became a head freshman coach and still learning but um, finally getting that head coaching experience even though it being at the freshman level uh, was definitely another uh, change and in, in how i approached myself and uh, got a feel for running a team and, and those types of things and after that, that coach had had left and another coach came in and uh, that coach asked me to be a head Jaden coach. Um, so I was 21 years old, kind of moving up the ranks. But now this is my third head coach and in, in literally three and a half years. So I'm learning a lot of different things and different styles from different guys. Um, at this point, we had a coach in that somewhat became uh, aggressive in the sense of going out and recruiting your non-typical St. Ed's kids. You know, we started getting some basketball players. Uh, We were known for, for mostly wrestling and football. And um, so he started kind of uh, getting some basketball players who were interested in coming to St. Ed's. So I saw the dynamic change a little bit with the type of of player that we were getting, um, being a little bit more serious about winning and spending some more time on that. And it just so happened that that coach, again, he left for another job. And so, I'm now getting into my fourth coach in a matter of five years. And um, that's when I became uh, I was a head JV coach the following year, an assistant varsity coach, and then coach got fired way through that year. so so I became an interim um, kind of head coach in ninety six. and that's when we had the young guys of Clancy, Logan, uh, lapore, they were they were only sophomores that year. Uh, and when I had taken over as kind of an interim basis, we made it to the final floor. Uh, they opened up the job. Uh, they went through a big interview process. And, and as you can imagine, at that time, we had some great young talent for the first time. So it was a, a much um, sought after job at that point. And so here I am at a 23 years old, but I've had basically... Had worked for four coaches, uh, four and a half coaches at that time in a short period of time. I was a St. Ed's grad, and I think the school simply wanted some stability at that point, and and that's where it kind of came in, where they, they 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 wanted somebody that was kind of just a St. Ed's guy that you know could put a long term commitment into it. Now you know, did I know it was going to be twenty four years later at this point? No, but um, that was kind of where the direction went with the program. Ah, uh, kind of how I got into being the head coach at St. Ed's and um, just learned so much in that short period of time uh, a lot of a lot of good things and a lot of bad things. And I think the the bad things probably taught me just as much, if not more, as the good things. About when I, you know, had that opportunity to become a head coach at such a young age.
0: And you just said something that actually took the words right out of my mouth for my next question. The the, the year that I my last year of college because I I took me five years to get a four year degree. I'm pretty special. And yeah, in in my fifth year, I coached the JV's at Ada, and I had been a student assistant at Ohio Northern with with the coach Campoli and. And it was not a great experience, it was going very poorly real early. And I, I went to Coach Campoli and I said, hey, I, I don't know about this. I'm not sure this is for me. I think maybe I just need to be back with you. And he said, no. He said, hell, he said, do you want to be a head coach? I said, yeah. He said, well, then go figure out what you don't want to do. That's important. <laughs> he, said, he said, that's really important, figuring out what you don't want to do. And those, those words have always stuck with me. And that was actually the question I was going to ask is going through four, four and a half head coaches, do you have an easier time remembering the things that that you learned that were valuable that you wanted to do? Or is it easier to recall the things that you said, this isn't going to work for me or for us? You know, it's a great question. And I think you, you take a little bit of both.
1: But I think really, really, you take the negative. I mean, you take the things that that maybe maybe the way a coach dealt with a player or maybe, you know, the way he dealt with his practices or, you know how he handled certain situations and sometimes you'd sit back and and obviously you're going to support the head coach and, and be there to to do those things and learn because you're an assistant but in the back of your mind I'm you know you're you're thinking well you know what I, I probably wouldn't do it that way um, but I'm going to see how this plays out you know and see see maybe he knows something that I don't and, and I'm I know there were situations that that probably maybe even I thought weren't the right way but they turned out to be to be a, a good way to deal with certain things so I think he Definitely learn a lot from you. Learn a lot from failure, obviously in life and, and in coaching. And and to observe it, you know, firsthand is definitely something that um, was very beneficial for me as a young coach um, to just kind of pick things up and um, on both ends. And I think one coach even said it to me when I was a young kid: "Is like, listen, you know, take the bad things that you see right now and, and just put them on a shelf because you you might need some of those things that you think are bad today. You might." you you might use those things or have a situation where it works for you later at a different time in your career. And and some of those things have come to fruition, no question.
0: Well, and and, and the way the game continues to evolve, that's going to be a a definite. But, you know, it's also coaching may be the one area in life where you get a really good opportunity to learn from somebody else's mistakes. Um, You're going to learn from mistakes one way or the other. It hurts a hell of a lot less to learn from somebody else's. (laughs) <laughs> that's a great point that's
1: absolutely true and, <laughs> absolutely when, true.
0: and for, for our listeners who may know you you worked for Mike Kearns who were the other guys that you worked for at St. Ed's that were head coaches during that time
1: uh we had Mike Kearns we had a guy named Mike Germont who was there for just one year um then Tim Schmotzer who who Ended up leaving and going to a public school. He went to North Homestead and had a fairly long career. And most recently was at Notre Dame Cathedral Latin. Uh, and then Pete Novakovic was was kind of an interim coach with me and that '96 team. So there were four different head coaches that I had in that in that short period of time, as well as a few other you know older assistants. Uh, Bob Patton, who a legendary coach at Lake Lakewood High School and down in southeastern Ohio. Um, actually came on staff and kind of helped for a few months. Um, So I I got the opportunity to learn from a lot of guys who have been at different places. Uh, And and Greg Zimmerman was, was the last coach that we had and Greg ended up going to Alderson Broadus division two and had a great career there. He just recently retired. So
0: yeah, actually um, Greg's a guy, uh, one of Greg's assistants at Alderson Broadus is the head coach now at IU South Bend and we've been friends for years. No uh, Scott Cooper is at IU South Bend, and he he worked for Greg at Alderson Broaddus, and I, I that I just was certain that name was one that was there, and I wanted to confirm that.
1: Yeah, he was, and, and to be honest with you, was probably one of the best minds that I worked for. He the guy understood the game, he taught it extremely well, and um, nothing against them. And, you know, I learned something from all of those guys. Uh, but Greg probably taught me the most, especially about X's and O's and and a lot about, you know, discipline and, and really kind of, you know, how to run a practice and teach some things. And I was really impressed with his teaching ability.
0: Well, you had obviously, uh, I mean, a hell of a master's program, if you will, in coaching to learn from, you know, four different guys. Talk a little bit about if, if you don't mind, what was your confidence level that you were ready to take that on at that stage?
1: Um, I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. What was, uh, what,
0: My was, apologies. The Did, what was your confidence level, uh, that, that you were ready to be the head coach at that stage of things?
1: You know, I think I've heard this from some of your other coaches and it ring it rang so true to me. I, I think when you're that young, uh, you, you're cocky, <laughs> you know, you kind of think, you know, a lot you, you have, um, you know, you feel like, Hey, this, this is the way I'm going to do it. And, and it's the right way. And, um, so, I was probably one of those guys that was overconfident, um, you know, thought I was a really good coach. Uh, the reality was, is, is, um, uh, I, I learned some good things from the guys before me. Um, I had great talent and the talent, uh, you know, to be quite honest, I think carried me through those first couple of years through all the mistakes that I made and, and all the things that probably I did poorly. Um, you know, I was confident. I, I thought, you know, again, um, I, you know, I thought I did a pretty good job, but but when I look back at my you know 25 years ago self, uh, I had no idea what I was doing, and uh, it's it you can laugh at it now and you you think about it, but um, you know I I knew the basics. You know, we had a system in uh, when I took over that I thought was pretty good. Um, we were more of a half-court-oriented team. Uh, none of the coaches that I coached with really pressured or didn't, did any of that stuff. So I was very you know, knowledgeable, at least about half-court defense and half-court man, and that's kind of what we stuck with. And we ran a lot of sets. Um, people would say they'd come watch us. We were a little boring to watch, but efficient uh, in what we did. Um, so, I, again, as a young coach, I, I thought I was prepared because I had so many uh, head coaches that I learned from. Uh, but the reality was, um, you know, I had great players and great players kind of, you know, I, they kind of worked me through being a young coach and, and I had great help with some assistant coaches that that got me through those things that I wasn't sure about. But, um, you know, there's no magic or, you know, I, I don't, you know, look back now and say, man, was I, was I stupid or <laughs> man, was I, you know, inexperienced, you know, whatever the word is. Um, but I learned, you know, and I, we, we had we had great players. We made, you know, final four, two years in a row and then won the state championship. So so something was going right. But, um, you know, I kind of like a lot of coaches, I think, that are young and even older coaches now. Uh, you're always just trying to prove yourself right. You're always trying to prove that, you know, I, I deserve this job or I deserve to be here. So, I worked my tail off. There's no question, but uh, I also know, and I was smart enough to know that that I had pretty good guys that I can lean on. and if, if I screwed something up, they probably made up for it and and their play and and how good they were
0: and and i I' actually kind of like to talk about that that dynamic of of wanting to prove yourself and and whether or not that that was what you deemed good pressure, was it difficult pressure when when you look at the talent that you had, was there, I mean, had you coached those guys, any of them, at their earlier parts of their careers? Because you did coach freshman JV. Uh, what was your connection with those guys, and what was it like coaching that high level of talent and, and keeping everybody on the same page?
1: You know, I did, and it was it was good because I did coach them when they were when they were younger, when they first got in. And and to be honest with you, uh, they were a big reason why I got the job. Um, in the end, when the when the process was kind of winding down to the, the final. Two or three candidates for the job. The team actually went into our, our principal and our president. And I found this out later, uh, but they went into my defense. I mean, they went in and, and asked um, if I could be the head coach because I think they just respected me and uh, I treated them. Um, you know, well, but I was hard on them, no question. But I treated them all fairly. I was um, very respectful of who they were as people um, and their talent level. And I know that, you know, after the fact that that they were a big reason why I got the job. And so our relationship was always coach player. It was always kind of a, um, you know, I probably was a lot tougher back then, maybe more of a yeller or screamer back then. Uh, because I was young, because I felt like I had to prove things. And, you know, you have people, especially, you know, people around the program who, you know, want to give their opinion or want to tell you you're doing this right or this wrong. And and when you're young and inexperienced, I think you sometimes tend to listen to those people and, and you're not really 100% sure if you're doing everything the right way. So um, I I did a lot of that back then. I don't think that was my, my, my true
0: coaching self, you know, if you know what I mean. Sure, um,
1: absolutely. You, you know, you just kind of go through and, and every day you're trying to just prove like, hey, you know, I need to prove this. And, and whether that means winning basketball games or whether that means, you know, your kids or players respect you, mm-hmm. whatever that means to you. Uh, I was trying to prove that pretty much every day. And a lot of that pressure was um, external because I think we had such a good team and uh, there was a lot of expectations. So you kind of felt some external pressure but the honest answer is uh, for me always it's internal pressure i mean i, I want to be the best you know version of myself i want to be the best coach out there i want to be you know uh, i want to do things well and uh, i always had that, that that drive and that pressure within me to to just keep learning keep getting better keep pushing and, and to try to figure out ways to to make our team the best it could be and um, I think that's kind of what got me through those early years.
0: You know, and, and I always felt Eric that when, when you start real young like that, the, the the on the floor with your guys, the basketball stuff, that's the stuff that gets your juices flowing. That's the stuff that, for lack of a better way of saying it, that comes easy. Even if you're making mistakes, right. you're, you're you're elbow deep or waist deep in it, and you're having lots of fun with it. But the other side of that that I think oftentimes gets a little bit overlooked is you gotta you gotta do a lot of administrative things as a head coach that that 23-, 24-, 25-year-old people aren't doing a lot of, and you're also managing a, a coaching staff, and um, it's generally safe to say that nobody on that staff's going to be younger than you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is true. No, nobody was younger than me, and nobody was uh, – and, and you're right. I mean, even to this day, I mean, basketball, you know, the on-court stuff, the X's and O's, the coaching, uh, you can give a percentage to it, but it's 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 minimal compared to everything else that we do as coaches. And, um, you know, you kind of realize that when you become a head coach and there's nothing better than than, you know, on job experience and learning that and going through that. So that's why I think experience is always something that's extremely beneficial in our in our profession. But, um, you know, I I, the, the advantage that I had really, John, was that. I was a St. Ed's guy and I never left and I was there through everything. So there was a comfort level with me or for me uh, with administrators, with with even fans and, and parents and people, um, you know, not all of it good or positive. But there was a definitely a comfort level of the people, you know, I knew who I had to, you know, to talk to or go to the right people or have the correct mentors or whatever uh, in the school and, and around the program. And that's something that I try to take full advantage of, especially when I was younger. And, and that's, you know, that's the advantage I think that I had being a young guy and staying in that program where you hear stories of other guys who take a job, you know, somewhere else or or they change jobs and go somewhere else where maybe they don't have that comfort level when they're starting out. And I think that's also something that really uh, benefited me you know, quite a bit as a young coach.
0: I, I think it's, it's fascinating for anybody to coach at their alma mater. And, and a lot of guys, it seems like in high school, particularly in this area in Northwest Ohio, where I'm from, get that opportunity. Um, but it's, 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 it's almost hilarious to me to hear a, a coach at a, at a school the size of St. Ed's talk about being a, a local guy that people knew I wasn't going to leave. Hell that's usually the small school Northwest Ohio thing we hear is they want, they hire people and hope they stay. It's It's, it's not something I expect to hear at a place like St. Ed's, but, I mean, human nature is human nature for a reason. And I think that's always going to be uh, a valid thing is it's 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 we're just a I guess we're a species that tends to, to, to gravitate toward self-gratification. And for a lot of people, that means moving on to something new. And uh, right. what you've made work there for a quarter of a century is certainly laudable. And, and I mean, I, I don't care if you're evaluating wins and losses or not. That takes it to a whole nother level. But it's it's the other things that I think make it certainly uh, worth worth pointing out and, and and using as an example for a lot of potential young coaches, uh, yeah. Eric. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. We've already burnt almost a half hour, so I got to take oh, our geez. I got to take our break, <laughs> and then after our break, I got a couple more questions uh, about your head coaching stuff. But I really want to get into and talk about your USA Basketball experience.
1: Great.
0: All right, we'll be back right after this. <laughs> Welcome back into the second segment of my visit with Eric Flannery, the head basketball coach at St. Edward High School in Lakewood, Ohio. And uh, Eric, we, we shared your the story of your journey to becoming a head coach and a little bit about um, the timing of things w- w- was was big and it was important. I mean, I, I told Carl when I talked to him, Creamer, that I'm a huge believer in the idea that the definition of luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Um, and people can say things about being lucky to be in a spot at a certain, but it doesn't matter if you, if you're not prepared for the opportunity, you don't look near as lucky. And, sure. and, and so you, you were, and what I want to get into a little bit here to start off this second segment is you, you take over a team that's going to get to the final four for a couple of years, win a state title. How how are you going about the process of evaluating yourself as the head coach that the state of your program and and continuing to chase improvement when you're having that kind of success?
1: Well, again, that's a that's a great question, a, load, a loaded a question, um, and and to be honest with you, John, this this is the time. So we win the state championship in '98, and the next three years, uh, it really defines and um, my coaching career, and it really defines you know, who I am as a coach today. And those three years were probably three of the worst years that I had at Saint Ed's. Um, and it was the time where I actually was thinking about getting out of coaching. Uh, I was, in, uh, I was thinking about leaving St. Ed's and, 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 possibly taking another job somewhere else. But so, so you went, like you said, you had so much success the first three years, um, you know, I don't know what my record was, but we had only lost a couple of games since I'd been the head coach and winning a state championship. So like any young kid at 25 years old at this point, you know, you think you're on top of the world and, and you know, everything and you're good. And, um, the following year, we, we obviously have to, um, you know, redo the program and get a brand new, you know, group of kids. And so we were young and and we had a, uh, a superstar, really, and Jawad Williams, who ended up playing at North Carolina. He, he was a McDonald's All-American at St. Ed's, and uh, he was only a sophomore at the time. But, um, so we had a group of young kids and young players, and they, they had the mentality that they were pretty much going to be the same as the guys before them and they were already state champs if you know what i mean so they sure. they kind of came in with an attitude uh they kind of came in with you know probably not the same work ethic and basically like you know we're going to be good just because we go to st eds and so in 99 i think we finished the season something like 7 and 13 and and we lost our first round playoff game in the sectional championship so um so we, I think, finished seven and seven and fifteen, whatever it is, and or seven and fourteen. And you know, I, I, you figure, okay, it's just a rebuilding, reloading year. Young guys, uh, I, you know, we can change their mentality. We can do all this stuff. And the next year, um, very similar season, we we finished right at five hundred. Uh, we ended up making it to the district championship that year, but lost at the buzzer uh, to I think Medina, the Tony Stockman, a great great player, great team. Uh, so we lose in the district championship the following year um, again 500 and i can start feeling the pressure a little bit like hey you were handed a great team when you were 22 23 years old and and now you're building with your own guys and, and you're not very good and uh, you know so we get into juad's senior year and we ended up going you know 15 and 7 what have you uh, we lost again at the buzzer uh, literally two years in a row in the district championship. So we get knocked out again. Um, and it, it was a miserable experience because to be honest with you, you know, I you lot and we have a great relationship now. I just did not enjoy coaching for three years. I didn't enjoy coaching the kids. Um, I didn't enjoy uh, going to practice. I didn't. I just didn't enjoy it. And at, at one point I realized and I share the story with with a lot of people that asked that. Uh, I ended up taking over as the AD at St. Ed's for that one year. It was 2001. I was the interim AD because our AD had left. So, again, I'm still a young guy, but now I'm doing, you know, other duties. And I had two booster guys come into my office and basically tell me, like, if you don't start winning and recruiting better players and in, in doing this or doing that, um, you know, we're going to have you run out of here. And I just kind of, I looked at them straight in the eye and I said, listen, we're going to beat our arch rival Ignatius twice next year and we're going to win a district championship. And if that is not good enough for you guys, I don't want to be here. And they looked at me and they said, coach, if you do that, we'll never talk to you again. We'll, we'll never question you again because you have absolutely nobody in your program, you know, because we had lost Jawad and some of those guys. We, we had lost some pretty good players and we really didn't have any basketball, pure basketball players in our program behind them. And at that moment, I just decided I am going to do things my way. I don't care what boosters think. I don't care what other people think. I don't care. You know, I'm just going to go have fun. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to do it my way. If they want me out of here that, you know, God will take care of that, whatever. I'm just going to do my thing. And sure enough, um, that was the same year I got a call from USA basketball to go work uh, out there with, with USA. And we can get into that later. Um, I had a team of kind of misfit players. Uh, most of them were football players that played basketball and we ended up making a, uh, uh, we we lost at Toledo St. John's by 30 during in the regular season. They were 25 and 0. It was one of the best teams St. John's ever had, um, and uh, they finished the season 20. Well, they were 25 and 0. We go to the <laughs> we go to the state tournament. We go on an unbelievable run. I mean, we were losing by 10 in the fourth quarter in the sectional championship game. So I was going to get knocked out in the first round. We come we come back. We win that game. Uh, we win the district championship this year in, in double overtime. Uh, we go to Gundarina where LeBron was playing. Uh, he played right after us. We had played Ignatius in the regional size. It was a sold out gun arena at the time. We beat Ignatius. That was the second time we beat him that year. So I, I lived up to that promise <laughs> to those boosters. Uh, we won the district championship and now we face Toledo St. John's, who was 25 and 0 at the time. Um, and we beat him. We hit a shot at the buzzer and we beat them at the buzzer and went to the final four. And I just realized at that point, if if I if I just follow my gut and do what I want to do and and do what I think is the right thing to do and listen to the right people and not worry about necessarily the wins and losses, but just get good kids and 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 coach the kids that want to be there and and, and that type of stuff um, that changed my career and, and that changed. Uh, My thought process and then obviously being involved with USA basketball from that point on I just continued to learn more and more from from some great coaches around the country and um, I just got the mindset of I am going to make myself the best coach I can possibly be um, whether it's through X's and O's but but mostly what I realized John at this time is is it wasn't necessarily X's and O's that it was culture That, that in whatever you want to call it. Because it gets different names nowadays, uh, ecosystem, uh, whatever you you know. But I needed to change my culture as a coach and change the culture of our program, and that's what I started doing back in two thousand and one and two thousand and two, and I continue to do that today. And to be honest with you, I think that's why we've had this success for the last you know twenty years now. Is because we kind of changed the culture, and I changed my mindset as the, as the head coach, and and really just kind of adapted everything to to what I believe is the right
0: thing to do. And and Eric, what you said there about making the decision that I'm going to do it my way and and I'm going to go have fun with it, uh, that's the yep. part that I think often gets lost in this. I mean, winning is fun and losing sucks. There's no two ways around that. But but it's that it's almost a, a freeing decision when you can say. I know what I'm doing. I know how to, how to do this. And I can get better. I can do both. I can do it my way and I can go pursue getting better, but I got to tune out all the other stuff. And that, that had to liberate you a little bit. um, And and then to have that happen and then, and get some player buy-in. Cause you know, I, I told several coaches on here, I I think culture is maybe the most overused and maybe misunderstood word that we use, that we use in sports. Because in reality, culture is, I mean, most years it starts out as your team and it's it's your program, and at some point, depending on the group, it's got to become their team. That's that's the culture piece that is missing, and when you have teams that buy that early, and you go through that dry spell that you did as far as that understanding, um, I think it's it's a remarkable thing to have it go come back full circle to you making some changes in how you do things, and maybe made it easier for the players to take some ownership.
1: You know, it really did, and and I think you know, you're 100 percent right when you say culture is thrown around. I think, you know, even when I said it and whenever I say it, it's it's always kind of tongue in cheek because it's really hard to define. Right. Um, culture can be a lot of different things. And I think what it really is, to, to your point, is it, it's the buy in of the players and letting them and the right people run the program at the right time and having that belief to be able to do it and have that foundation of knowing how to do it. And, you know, USA Basketball taught me a a ton of things and and standards was the big thing. Um, I I changed way back then from rules that I had in my program. We got rid of basically every single rule that we ever had in our program and went to to standards, you know, things that, that basically we're supposed to live by and and i learned that from 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 usa basketball and 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 one of my biggest mentors don showalter um that basically you you just have to live by certain certain standards that you set not only for yourself as a coach but what
0: Hey, well, that's technology for you. And I apologize for the technical difficulties. We lost our connection to Eric for just a second, so we're going to pick the podcast up right after we were able to reestablish a connection and get back into our conversation with Eric Flannery. Again, apologize for the technical difficulty. Appreciate your patience.
1: Take three buses just to get there, and how can I have the same rule for the for all of these kids when you know one kid might have missed a bus and another kid's mommy or daddy is dropping them off every day, and it's it can't be the same thing, right? So. So we, we kind of just went with standards of everything else and, and, you know, playing with pride and playing with enthusiasm and representing yourself. And, and, you know, there's a whole list of them. But that that's kind of what has built what people call your culture. But that's kind of what has built St. that's basketball over the last 20 years. is just standards that we that we hold ourselves accountable and hold each other accountable. And I think that really changed who we were as a basketball team and program.
0: And and we unfortunately, well, I lost my connection for just a few seconds. So there was a little bit there where I, I didn't catch everything you said. But when you were talking about the shift from rules to standards, essentially, part of that was driven by the kind of kids that you coach and and and, and where they come from and, and what you're trying to bring together. And, you know, that that's something that I think it's easy to say, well, I, I don't coach in, in a city school, or I don't coach in a private school, or I don't coach in a large metropolitan area. So that doesn't necessarily apply to me. But Eric, I think that's faulty because I I live in rural northwest Ohio and and I can go to three different high schools within 10 minutes of me that might not graduate more than 65 or 70 kids in a class. But I don't think a coach automatically knows which kid goes home at night and is hungry, which kid goes home at night and 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 mom and dad aren't together or mom and dad are on their way to not being together. Uh, I don't think I don't think those are things you necessarily can assume are are you know, status quo or everything's working itself out because we live in this, this cozy little community. I think it varies everywhere. And I, I'm a huge fan of the whole idea of standards over rules and, and actually even standards and non-negotiables over goals. Even for me, sure. I, I think it's become important. And I was real lucky to have Coach Showalter on uh recently he has I don't think they've published that one yet but he was on with me last week to record an episode and we spent a little bit of time talking about that so I'd actually like to dive into the USA basketball thing a little bit because when when you get that opportunity at the point that you were at in your career again that's another one of those things boy that feels like that's good luck and fortune for you but being prepared for it and taking advantage of it when you got involved with it I mean there's there's two possibilities I think coach I a guy could say, well, hell, I'm with USA basketball. Look at me, I've arrived. And this is, this is a status thing, or I'm right. with you. I'm with USA basketball. And this is a chance to really have some resources that other guys don't have.
1: 100% right. And then I think, you know, it was, again, I was, I think, 27 or 28 years old when I got onto it. And, um, back then USA basketball wasn't well known. It wasn't, um, Anything that um, kids really aspired to go to, um, it was literally uh, two guys, John Ford and Jim Tooley, who are now the the heads of, of USA Basketball still to this day. Uh, were were in basically a small office in the corner in Colorado Springs, and we just went out to 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 Colorado Springs with the Olympic training facility, uh, and we would just show up with. 40 48 kids from USA saw so around the country and we would work them out and kind of We had what we called the, the I think the youth um, Youth hoop summit is what it was called back then and we would just kind of play amongst ourselves and and, and do all that stuff But what I realized the first thing I realized is you know one I, how fortunate am I to be out here? Uh, working with some of the best players in the world, but also you know learning from some of these coaches and and getting to meet these coaches and building that network um i just made the most of it and i think the biggest testament i could say about usa basketball for me personally is it's been almost it's been 20 years now since i've been involved and other than don Showalter, i'm the longest standing uh, usa coach with the youth development with group and uh so i, I you know, I think I've done something right. Maybe just kissing the right butts or whatever it might be. <laughs> uh, but just to just to be able to hang on this long, I, you know, every year there's different coaches that come out there um, from different parts Sorry. of our country. And just to learn different philosophies and different things from all of them, is extremely beneficial
0: to me. <laughs> I apologize. My daughter That's ran okay. in. She wants she wants to be a part of the podcast. She wants <laughs> somebody. It. She wants somebody to turn on Bubble Guppies, and I'm not going to be the guy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got uh, I've got two year old twins, and they uh, they, oh, they, they can they can occasionally get away from mom. And I got I got remarried in 2016, and I I, I got to be one of the few guys going right now that has a daughter that just turned. 20 and two two that just turned two. <laughs> 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 you are insane. A good
1: friend of mine who's a head coach here at Rocky River he <laughs> just had a child and I think he's 48
0: years old and he just had a, a, a kind of a mistake baby. So I, I, he can relate. Well, we, uh, we, we had, when we got married, we had agreed we were going to have one more and then this is what happened. So <laughs> I said, well, that'll work just fine. I'm an identical twin. I, I'll be able to figure this out. And if not, I'm so old now. There'll be certain things I just won't care that much about. Exactly. <laughs> I won't get that wrinkled. But um, I, I, I'm fascinated by the USA basketball dynamic simply because – um, there's so many good coaches from around the country that pull together to support the country and do what's good, you know, for USA basketball. And they're working with really talented guys. But again, listen to a couple of podcasts, one of yours that, that you've done. It's It's that relationship that you build with those guys and the way that you can network that you build a different level of support that I think has got to be invaluable as you struggle through things.
1: It really is. I mean, to be able to, You know, I've definitely built some great relationships over the years and um, some great friendships and guys that I just continue to keep in touch with, but to your point, to even you know hey we're struggling with this coverage on defense or you know offensively we got this this type of lineup or this type of group of kids this year coming in and to be able to sit down with those guys and they can say like yeah hey i had a team like this or this is what we do and just to share ideas and bounce things off of each other then has been been, been awesome and, and i think you know the x's and o's um you, you know they help they, they definitely go a long way in what you do but but to also just talk to them about how they're dealing with certain situations and how they handle uh, their business or how they handle whether it's elite players or even you know non-elite players you know how they deal with parents you know we I can call these guys up and and just say hey I had this scenario um, how would you handle it or if you had this before uh, and to be able to share that with guys I mean you know Mike Jones the head coach at the Math has become a very close friend of mine and Sharman White down in Georgia um, and and obviously Don Shaw Walter are guys that I just continue to lean on uh, but there's there's ten or fifteen others that. Um, that we've gotten close with and have gotten to know that, uh, you know, just to be able to do that to me is just an advantage that I know that I have. And I've been very fortunate and and don't ever take it for granted. And uh, they're, they're great. They're not only great coaches, but they're great people. And that's, that's what I've always cherished with USA basketball is, um, you know, character just is, is priority number one. You know, it's, it's just who you are as a person, um, they don't necessarily care. Obviously, a lot of us get in there, or some of these guys get in there because they have great programs. There's no question. But sure. they're, most of the guys there are just high quality guys who are willing to share and, and put their ego aside when they walk in the door. Uh, and, and we kind of do it together uh, with these kids. And um, to be able to work with some of the best players in the world. What's great about USA Basketball is um, you have to be able to be unselfish. You have to understand that you you are going to work your your butt off when you're with us, and you're going to have to to um, not play like that superstar that maybe you are back at home. But you have to play as a great teammate. And if you want to be part of the Olympics, you know, in in eight years or five years, if you want to be a part of some of these gold medal winning teams, you have to buy into the team concept. Uh, that USA basketball provides. And, and that's what I really enjoy about that, you know, that process.
0: Well, and and I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I've, again, wide angle lens, a guy, I, I I listened to your podcast with coach Jones and Charm and, and coach show uh, last week or the week before, I, I think it was late July when you guys recorded it. But uh, I listened to that podcast that, you know, this, it kind of comes through that there's an understanding with USA basketball that that it's not an ego-driven thing anymore. and And there's a lot of challenge to bringing together alpha type players. no matter the age when you bring them together for something, it's great to have kind of a culture established uh, within USA basketball that 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 it's this is bigger than everybody here. And we're all pretty fortunate to be a part of it. And i I guess if I again, from a wide, and I heard your your co-host say that, with all you guys and your USA coaching experience, he's watched it for years. So he felt like he certainly belonged as a part of that. Yeah, right, podcast. Right. I'm in the same boat. I've watched it for years, but I've watched right. it from an observation standpoint to say this. I think there's been a change in the, and I'm using air quotes here, culture at USA basketball starting about 12 or 14 years ago. That's that's eliminated ego to a great degree.
1: It has. And I think they, they really have bought into to the aspect of, uh, other countries are, are doing things differently than us. Uh, other countries are continuing to get better and better. And if we want to remain kind of the elite uh, program or, or, you know, basketball in USA is kind of looked up to as as being the elite. If we want to remain there, we have to continue to evolve. And we have to continue to put our ego at the door and, and learn from each other and make us better coaches and better players and that's the message that's basically delivered from day one when these kids arrive at, at 16 years old and and they're they're coming out there. And uh, again, they probably were the, the best player, obviously, on their high school team or their AAU team. And and everybody's, you know, kissing, kissing their butts and telling them how great they are. And now they get to us and we're kind of like, all right, now it's time to get to work. And the, the guy to your left and the guy to your right are just as as good as you are and, and what is going to separate, you know, the best from the best. And and most of that is work ethic and attitude and your effort. And, and, and are you a good teammate? And some of these guys don't get that, just like coaching our own teams, you know, some guys just don't get it. And, And if they don't get it, they don't continue to be a part of USA basketball. And I think that culture or, you know, whatever you want to call it is, is why that's developed that way and how it's developed that way. And when, kids come out there they know that the expectation is is much greater than maybe if they were going somewhere else and and nothing ever takes the place of you know having that usa across your chest and and going out there and performing for that and wanting to play for your country i mean that's the ultimate team to to play for and uh so we we kind of buy it you know this is the team aspect that we're you know trying to sell to the kids is You are playing for your country. This is a great honor, and this is something that you should all want to aspire to do, and I think it's worked out really well.
0: Well, you you said a number of things during that 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 gave me about four options of where to go with this, And, and basically what it means is I'm going to lop off about the bottom third of my outline, (laughs) <laughs> that I had hoped to kind of cover. We Sorry got about that. No, it's great. It's phenomenal stuff. And I, if I could get every coach to go down a rabbit hole that creates and makes me think, I think that's really valuable for me too. But in the 10 minutes or so that we've got left, and we can go a little long on that if we need to, but in, in the time that we have left, I want to talk about your experience now with your program, with USA Basketball. And as you've evolved, I, I want to frame it this way, particularly with USA Basketball and what you've seen in competing with other countries and, and what you've been able to learn from that. I'll let you choose. You can go one of three directions here, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit. But Uh-oh. offensive play, defensive play, or practice and teaching, what has changed the most about the way you Uh-oh. do things based on those experiences?
1: You know, that's a great question. I think defensive, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to hit all three quickly, though. Okay. Defensively, I, I don't think it's it's changed a ton. Other than I think we, we spend a lot more time at, with USA and and I do at high school now with defending ball screens and one-on-one defense and things like that of importance. Um, the rotations, you know, I, I, I change my defenses quite a bit. Uh, the way I, I go about things at St. Ed's is I, I always change how I play or how I coach based on my personnel because it changes every year at the high school level. So I'm not a system guy. I'm not a guy that, like, this is our system and this is exactly what you have to run. So defensively, it doesn't change a ton. You you know, your your man-to-man principles might change a tad. Uh, You might press a little bit more. You might press a lot, whatever. Uh, Offensively, uh, my philosophy has changed uh, quite a bit as far as uh, I'm into analytics a little bit more. Um, you know, we tend to shoot a lot more threes than maybe we ever did. Uh, so we've, I've had a couple of coaches on my staff that study analytics quite a bit and have for about the last six or seven years. Um, so our style of play, uh, how fast we play, um, you know, more ball screen stuff that I've learned from USA basketball that I've incorporated into our system. Um, so offensively, I think I have evolved quite a bit, uh, that way uh, and have changed. Um. What was the third one?
0: Practice and teaching.
1: Yeah, practice and teaching has changed drastically. I mean, if you looked at my practice schedule 20 years ago, you would probably see um, 30 different segments of like four minutes, 10 minutes. I I tried to teach everything in a single practice. And now if you looked at my practice schedule, uh, you would probably see like five or six things. And we would probably spend more time on that. And I also allow... My kids and we actually play a lot more in practice than we ever did. Um, so the structure might be similar uh, to when I first started. I mean, I I do have you know time where I focus on defense. I have time where I focus on offense and transition, and, and then I have a time of of kind of team play or or what have you. But uh, we've really changed the way we 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 kind of run our practice. It's it's probably a little bit more intense now, uh, but it's. I don't try to teach at many different things. I try to get really good at some of the basic things and uh, you know, we'll take 10 minutes before practice to get a lot of shooting 10 minutes after practice to get a lot of shooting fundamental stuff uh, during the, the hour or so hour and 15 minutes of practice. Um, you know, we'll we'll work on mostly and a lot of team stuff as well as breaking some of that team stuff down. So I might've, I might've gone two and a half hours when I was younger coach. If If I go more than an hour and a half, at any time during the season. Nowadays, it's rare. Um, I try to keep our guys fresh, keep them in and out, uh, be as intense as we can during that hour and a half or so. And um, uh, so, so my philosophy that way has, has
0: changed probably is uh, most, most drastic versus the other two. Well, and, and I had planned on on kind of getting into talking about your son and, and his ca- career in high school and college sure. and now and his choice to go into college coaching. But I, I kind of, have shifted gears here. Cause I, I, I want to wrap up in the next five or six minutes. And I, and I have one other question that fascinates me for, for guys that are coaching at big school level is you made the decision to get onto the St. Ed staff as a college student, or you were invited to, and that was the choice you made. Was there, was there ever a point in time when you decided that you weren't going to play in college that you considered trying to pursue the college coaching thing?
1: Um. It's a yes and no. <laughs> well, first of all, um, so a few years back, um, probably more than I, it, it is than I can remember. But, um, when, when my, actually when my son was, uh, I think a freshman, my older son, Sean, uh, when he was a freshman, I actually had Mike Brown's son who was coaching at the
0: Cavs right. and the Lakers. Uh, so he had played for me and Mike ended up leaving,
1: um, I think Elijah's junior year. So he transferred when he took the Lakers job, he took his son out with him, and transferred to modern day. Uh, but during that time period, when Mike came back as the head coach of the Cavs, uh, they actually offered me the the head job of the Canton charge. And um, it was an unbelievable opportunity, obviously, to get into the NBA and to to coach professionally. But my, like I said, my oldest son, Sean, it just, kind of came to St. Ed's and was a sophomore and it was kind of my lifelong dream to, to coach them, you know, as they were coming up. I have two boys, Don and PJ and uh, two girls and I just, I turned it down. I just, it just, you know, I asked to think about it for a while. It was one of those gut-wrenching, um, you know, do you take this step? Do you take this opportunity? And um it turned out that, you know, I turned it down in and, and the next year when, when Sean was a, a his sophomore year, we won the state championship. So an experience that I would have never had is winning a state championship with, with your, son your son on the son. sideline yeah. um, is something that I will never regret. And, and the next year we ended up going to the final four with him as well. Um, so I, I don't regret that situation and really never look back at it. Um, Mike, I think, ended up leaving a year or two anyway. So you never, you know, in that business, you never know. Um, you know, from year to year where you're going to be, um, I'm, I'm one of those guys that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You know, you always take everything into consideration and, uh, to build a program like we've had, it's sometimes nice to enjoy the benefits of that now, you know,
0: sure. 20 years later, um,
1: you know, you are more relaxed as a coach and doing things and feel comfortable with what you're doing. Uh, but I've never made it, um, um. A secret. The, the Cleveland State job I tell people was the only job I would ever leave St. Louis for, um, and 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 I I mean that in a lot of ways. Is I can stay home. It's a Division One job and it's a head job.
0: Right. right and right.
1: and I, I've been in the the last two times it opened. I was a, a finalist uh, to get it. I was in the interview process and everything else. Uh, was never offered the job, which I completely understand. Um, but that was definitely, you know, I'm not somebody that's looking to move or looking to go around. I'm a I'm a family guy. I, I like to be around my family and my kids. And uh, I love what I'm doing and where I'm at. So, um, you know, you never say never as you get older. You know, my kids are starting. They're going to be out of the house here very soon. All of them. So well, don't, you
0: know, start, well. don't start. Don't yeah. start over.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I made sure. I don't, I <laughs> Uh, but, you know, so you never know. As you get older, you might want to try to explore some new things. But 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 uh, I have had some opportunities as a younger coach and some other things. But um, I've always felt like I, I, I'm, I'm at where I'm supposed to be. And I, I'm really trying to just enjoy that.
0: Well, I think that's a, a, a terrific spot to kind of end things. I, I, I could keep going for a long time and I don't want to do that to you or to – and, and, and I want to apologize. I, I know whenever we publish this, there's going to be that gap where I lost you in communication for just a second. Cause I am just, I'm not an editor. I don't do that very well. So I probably,
1: hey, I, I have my own podcast. Like I said, and I don't do any of this technology stuff. That's why I have a partner. In well,
0: I pr- <laughs> probably won't be taking it out of there. I'll probably just put something in the intro that says at about, at about minute 38, you're going to have a glitch. Just fight, sure. fight through it and listen to the rest of the podcast. Cause it's really good. So um, I, Listen, I, I told you before we started this, I, when, when you get to a point where you're dealing with all the garbage that we're dealing with and your programs, the size that yours is, and you've got your connections and your tie ins to, to USA basketball and your own podcast and all those other things. And again, for our listeners, Worthy of the Jersey is the podcast. Please go listen to it. Find it and check it out. It's great. But it, it's it's way easier to say no to requests where when you are where you are than it is to say yes. So let me tell you that I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate getting to meet you. Um, I can I can assure you this after doing this, this won't be the last time I ask you because now I got other topics that I got in my notes that, that we can get into. So you'll get a request at some point down the road, but more than anything else, based on the way things ended last year and how uh just how unsatisfactory that had to be to 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 go through that. I'm praying that you get to have a season this year and get back with your guys and and there'll be a guy up here in Northwest Ohio following St. Ed's for sure.
1: John, listen. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you do. I appreciate you asking me on. I think that's one of the um, the, the bad things I have to deal with sometimes is is people are you know are offers with me because they think I have all this other stuff going on. But I love doing the stuff. I will do it anytime you ask. Uh, I was glad that we were able to work it out, and uh, I'm glad we got the opportunity to talk. And I look forward to a relationship down the road, and and would love to come back on at any time.
0: Fantastic. Listen, take care of yourself, and uh, and we'll uh we'll we'll definitely work it out at some point. Now I tell all my guests I'd like a T-shirt from their program. So if you got a if you got a spare St. Ed's basketball, large or extra large, out there floating around, I can send you my address.
1: Send me your address. And it'll be in
0: the mail. That would be, that'd be that'd awesome. You're the best. Eric, you thanks just so have much. To make sure, you just have to make sure you come to a game and rep it. That's all. Well, if you, you get to have a game this winter, if you get a schedule, my ass will be there. That's a promise. Awesome. All awesome. right, my all man. Right. Hey, good. take thanks. care. We'll talk soon. Thanks, John. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening again today. If you would like to listen to previous or future episodes of the Talkin' Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast, you can listen on Spotify or Google Podcasts as well as several other podcast platforms. Please review, rate, and subscribe. And if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at anchor.fm backslash John Cook. That's J O N C O O K zero. Anchor.fm backslash john-cook Dash zero. Thanks again. Hope to talk hoops with you again real soon. Hey, I wanted to take just a second and tell you how much I appreciate you listening to the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast. If you're a regular listener and you enjoy the podcast, I'd like you to consider uh, being a partner to the show. We've lost our sponsorship with Anchor. They're still our platform, but the sponsorship agreement ha- has ended after four months. And, and I would really like you to consider being a sponsor and a partner to the show. There's a place at Anchor, Dot, dot FM, where you can uh, donate to the podcast on a monthly basis, and it can be as small as a couple of dollars and as large as you would like it to be. Uh, and we would like to consider uh, some title sponsorship if we get some, some donations that are, are, are larger in nature. But I, I really am just hopeful that, that a handful of listeners who enjoy what we do here would like to see this continue and allow us the opportunity to, to gain from it and pay off some things, too on our end here at the podcast. So if you're a regular listener to the podcast and you enjoy what we do and you have any interest at all in, in in being a sponsor and and making a monthly donation to the podcast, please visit anchor.fm and uh, check out the option of of making a monthly donation to the podcast. Greatly appreciate your consideration. And as always, whether you're a donor or not, uh, we hope you continue to listen and find enjoyment in Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook.